This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Have a listen to this. Have a listen to this. Interest rates are higher, and people don't like that, but you should be welcoming a stronger economy. Maybe a deal has a point about the machinery of capitalism being oiled with the blood of the workers. The United States is a country that has always paid all of its bills. Lannister always pays his debts. Don't let the bastards get you. Welcome to Comedian versus Economist. We demystify the world of money and help you get a handle on the bigger picture. My name's Adam and we're joined as always by my little older brother and real life economist, Thomas. Hi, Thomas. Yeah, good, Adam. How are you going? Uh, doing well, thank you. Oh, I've, got a, I've, do, I've got a torn hamstring oh. because uh, I thought I could, I could play outdoor soccer in the over 35 Sunday league. Oh. Turns out I can't. Yeah. <laughs> Turns out even that needs some modicum of conditioning and fitness, which I don't possess. So wow. um, I don't even think I could take on the under eights these days. <laughs> <laughs> well, to put a financial spin on it, I bought new boots, <laughs> which was kind of feels like a waste of money now. <laughs> uh, anyway, massive show coming up as always. Um, and sometimes you have to find the nuance and listen closely to the language coming out of the big banks. Uh, Westpac and ANZ have updated their house price forecast, changing their language ever so slightly from, yeah, you probably can't afford one, to <laughs> no chance, sorry. <laughs> uh, we'll take a look at that. Our billionaire investor Ray Dalio has five megatrends for us. Big news or just more bridge water, water under the bridge? And... <laughs> What can instant noodles tell us about the state of the econom nom nom nommy? <laughs> but first, <laughs> it's the inflation that stops the nation. Thomas, what's going on with inflation in Australia at the moment? Oh dear. That's quality though. Can we just flag that nom nom nommy for the for the highlight reel? <laughs> Uh, anyway. not, you, we don't pay you enough. No, I know. <laughs> <laughs> That's literally where the end, my preparation for this show ends. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we're, we're pretty much winging it from here on out. Uh, uh, yeah, but no, that's right. Inflation data last week. Um, mm. This is still, you know, the big news in town because the RBA is looking at this closely, wondering whether they're going to keep hiking or not. Um, it. We, yeah, softened as expected, uh, 1.4% in the March quarter, which is the softest quarterly read in a year. So definitely does seem like things have peaked. The headline numbers down from 7.8% to 7%. Mm. The trim mean, which is, you know, close to our RBA's concept of core inflation, that's down from 6.9 to 6.6. So headline inflation definitely heading in the right direction, definitely slowing down. I mean, the, the big thing is the good story like so you think about goods and services goods prices seem to be on the way down big discounting in clothing footwear and furniture 
we're mm. seeing uh, yeah appliances as well so good time to go out and buy some stuff <laughs> um construction costs are falling actually i mean construction inflation is kind of interesting like it was running at 21 percent inflation over the year. We're Sorry, now, what, what was running at 21%? Construction cool. costs. Oh, construction costs, right. Yeah, the cost of building a new dwelling. Mm. So the large, you know, the CPI has a basket of goods that it looks at, mm. all the different things, adds them together. Each good has a weight. Um, mm. Construction costs ha, ha, is, has the biggest single weight of it's all. because of all the, all the metal and concrete, probably. <laughs> that's, that's right. It weighs a lot, weighs a lot more than bread. Yeah. <laughs> I can't believe we need to pay economists to work this out. <laughs> Someone's going to build a mass-weighted <laughs> CPI index. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, but construction costs were running at 21%, which is why all the builders are going bust. Mm. That's easing, still at 13%, so still pretty, you know, that's chuffing along at a pretty pretty fast clip, but um, you're heading in the right direction, so that's good. Right. The other part of the story is Goldman Sachs started publishing a supply chain cons- congestion index and through COVID, once the yeah, once all the supply chain started bottling up, mm. I, don't, I don't really know what's in this index, but the, so, you know, you could research it. I didn't, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but um, <laughs> that index is now at one, which is on a scale of one to ten, where Oof. one is one is fully open and one is fully bottlenecked. So they're saying it's ah. all, all the supply chain bottlenecks we had through COVID. They've now yep. completely digested, worked through the system. Supply chains are fully open, back to being fully open, is what they reckon. Right, which is why we're starting to see the goods prices soften. Right. Because I did. I heard something on the news this morning about um, construction was constrained, like services construction is constrained in the US because the goods bottleneck had eased up. So like you can finally, like the cost of the materials now had come down enough that the demand for construction was now huge. Ah, so because right. everyone kind of went, oh, it's going to stop building because this plank of wood's costing us $1,000. Yeah. Um, right. So everyone kind of paused things. But now that the cost of goods has come down, they're like, all right, let's like tools up. Um, mm. <laughs> I think we already we already established that tools up was the alternative <laughs> to, to tools <laughs> down in an yeah. earlier episode. <laughs> <laughs> Um, tools up was the call and, um, yeah, back on the job site. So, but now you can't yeah. get builders because yeah, everyone wants them yeah, because now the, right. the, the wood's finally, yeah, fun fact I heard <laughs> yeah, <fun fact. laughs> while yeah. I was hitting my wheat picks. Um, yeah. But I mean, that, that's, uh, we're also seeing that like, so the big question was, has for the past year has been, how is goods inflation going to translate or, you know, move into services inflation. Mm. And on the services side, things aren't looking so great. Uh, service inflation's up 1.3% in the March, which is almost double the long-run average. And we normally don't get a lot of inflation out of the services sector. So that's mm. at a, as a quarterly number is double its long-run average, 6.1% over the year. Concerningly, that's still on the way up. So whereas goods inflation has clearly peaked, where headline inflation has clearly peaked, services inflation is still on the way up. So, Is there any other kind of inflation that's going to pop up? Like is it just goods and services or is there a third... Um, mm. I don't know. Is there another one? <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, that's just. I mean, that goods versus services. That's just a sort of a, a taxonomy that we just like. Yeah. We lump everything. You know, we just divide things in the basket into goods and services. Right. Okay. Yeah. All yeah. right. 
because I read something else. I've been, I've been well, well researched this yeah. week, Thomas. That inflation's now become sticky. Mm. So we we heard it was going to be transitory at the start, and that hasn't sort of petered out. That 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 petered out, and now they're talking about sticky inflation. So is that mm. kind of the services story then? Like goods inflation's cooled off, but we've got services. Is that, is that what makes it sticky? Yeah, that, that is, exactly. That is the issue. And it is starting to look a little sticky, which is concerning. Like you look at the big, the big drivers of services inflation, it's rent, education and electricity. Uh, education's, I don't know why that's spiked. Yeah, I don't know what, what, what was driving that. But rent, when you look at rents, that's not easing anytime soon. Rents are still on a tear away and not looking to ease anytime soon. Mm. So, yeah, bad news for renters. And then electricity prices, Australia is still being gouged by their, you know, world-beating gas cartel um, <laughs> and s- still paying, you know, extra, you know, we're looking at, you know, the default contract's going to jump 20 to 30% with the new financial year. So that's going to stay high. Uh, so that's concerning. So the, the big drivers of services inflation, they're not looking to turn. I don't, I don't know about education, but rents and electricity, they're not going to turn anytime soon. So mm. that potentially does give us some sticky inflation, which means that the RBA is, we've we, we got to crunch goods inflation enough to bring down the headline. Oh, really? They can't do mm. anything about services? No, it's just gone. That's see you later. <laughs> it's well, not our domain. But now you look at look at what's like rents and electricity, like. You know, it's not really a demand story, like crunching right. domestic, you know, cash flows for households isn't going to shift, definitely not going to shift electricity story like that's been mm. set by the gas cartel. And then rents, uh, it does have some degree, but we, you know, but rents is sort of locked in. We talked about this a bit before that rents in the, in the CPI is the total stock of rents. Uh, but we know the new stock of rent, the new flow of rent contracts are coming in really hot, growing at 10%. So that 4.9% in rents is probably going to push towards eventually 8%, 9% it's working yeah, wow. to a lag. So that's so rents and electricity are both locked in. Mm. So that's concerning. Mm. I think even more concerning is that bad news often comes in threes and ominous predictions come in threes and Philo did say no interest rate rises till 2024, inflation would be transitory. And so we just need to just let this play out and see what the third um, mm. doomsday prophecy is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Soft, land, soft landing is cancelled. <laughs> <laughs> that could be it. Yeah. That could be it. We are in for a hard landing. Yeah. The big question, will we get a rate rise this week? Yeah. Well, the inflation data was soft enough to, for markets to effectively rule out a rate hike this week, mm. um, which will be yesterday by the time this, this comes out. So most, yeah, markets don't think we've got one this week, but it is mm. possible that we'll get one, another one. Some, some, so the general view in the markets from The Economist is that either we're done and there's no more rate hikes mm. or there will be one more rate hike, but it won't be this month. Thank you, economists, uh, again. <laughs> so the prediction is either rate hikes or no rate hikes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Thomas, the banks are rubbing their crystal balls like, I don't know, I was going to try and come up with something, but I couldn't find anything that didn't make crystal balls sound rude, which, of course, it isn't. So they're... <laughs> They are. <laughs> they're forecasting. They're looking into the future. Uh, what do they think is in store for house prices now? Uh, we're on the way up. 
Mm. Off to the Good. races, really. Yeah. So, I mean, well, bottomed out. Bottomed out. Yeah. All right. Yeah. It's turned. I mean, the interesting thing. So, Westpac's up, updated their forecasts. ANZ followed up a couple of days later, updating theirs. Um, I think, yeah, Westpac was pre- for this year, for calendar mm. 2023, we're predicting a fall of 7%. Right. I think ANZ were predicting a fall of 11%. Um, they've now changed that around and Westpac's predicting flat growth, so no growth in 2023. Mm. And Westpac, uh, ANZ's about the same. So no more falls this year. We're done is, that a, is that a pretty big miss? Like I, I don't want to keep hammering on like economists and forecasters and all this because I get mm. like it's hard, right? But mm. but is that a pretty big miss if you were saying like I think we're going to we think it's going to fall seven percent or in the case of who was it, ANZ mm. that said eleven percent we think mm. it's going to drop eleven percent for it to then go oh, actually it turns out probably we're looking more like zero. zero yeah 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 it is reasonably and, and I think that points to the fact that. Everyone's surprised by this. So ANZ and Westpac weren't alone with this. Like they weren't mm. the, the rogue forecasters in the yeah, negatives. Of course, like, yeah, yeah. like pretty, yeah, I mean, everyone in the market was kind of around that measure. Mm. Nobody was saying zero, you know, that like nobody in the market was saying zero. So mm. the, how, the housing market has been surprisingly strong. It really right. it has taken people by surprise that we have had such an aggressive rate hiking cycle strong inflation as well eating into household incomes and yet house prices have turned you know we got mm. house prices are up in march it's now like looking at the the daily and weekly data april's now looking like a gain as well so two months of gains that's sort of locking in the bottom mm. it's kind of hard to see see prices falling from here the big the big the big thing with that is that like supply is still really s- limited. So new listings, the amount of new stock coming onto the market, that's 20% below the five-year average. Right. So that's a real, that's, you know, that's, that's, not, that's not much stock coming onto the market. Mm. And you think about, I don't know, have we talked about supply and demand? <laughs> don't, don't ask me what we've talked about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but like like everything with prices, prices are always set by supply and demand. That's sort of like the that's economics one hundred and one. And in the context of housing, it, you know, we're looking at the total stock on the market. That's the supply. Like it's yeah. not just how many new houses we're creating. It's like what's in the market right now. Mm. And so the new flow of stock coming into the market that's twenty percent below average. The total listings that's at their lowest level since two thousand and ten. Right. So we're really looking at a supply constrained market. And did that did that go did were there more listings available like is that that's come down in recent times because for a while their house prices were all dropping which mm. does that imply that supply was higher like just recently, so is this a, is this a recent fall off? Uh, no, that was probably more on the demand side. So as as rates rose, people could spend less. Um, demand fell. Oh, okay. So that that's what that's what sort of drove the modest and really in really modest falls in historical context. Mm. That was all on the demand side, and and supply remained quite constrained. And there and there was sort of the expectation that as the, as prices started to fall, as rate hikes started to bite, sellers would go like, okay, particularly investors would just go, okay, we've hit the top of the market. There's not much more capital gains to get out of this cycle. I'm going I'm going to sell, but we just haven't seen that. It just hasn't happened. Supply remains constrained. And then on the, on the demand side, we have had the rate hikes, but rental prices are growing at such a ridiculous clip that 
that ANZ particularly singled this out and saying like there's a push from renters into how into the housing market because being a renter just sucks hard right now. Does it also mean too that um, investors are more inclined to even with higher interest rates to go well an investment property is still a good idea because the rental market's so strong like that makes a lot of sense. Uh, I think it's definitely it's definitely easing the pain of rate hikes. I, I mean. CoreLogic did some interesting analysis on this and look, looked at it dollar for dollar. And on the median house with the median mortgage and the median rent, rents have gone up $200, but mortgage repayments have gone up about eight or $900. So investors are still out of pocket this cycle, even with like, because mortgage expenses, you know, every investor has a different story, but on, on average, investors are paying more for their mortgages than they're getting from rental gains. Right, um, but that still hasn't translated into into much mm. much selling activity, which is, which is sort of interesting. And now everyone's sort of like, well, you know, if, if we didn't ha- if it hasn't fallen now, it's probably not going to. And auction clearance rates are you know clear auctions are selling well, but like people, real estate agents are saying there's a lot of demand in the market. Yeah, we're away. And you look at Westpac's forecast for t- so that we talked about 2023 being flat for 2024. They're looking at five six percent in melbourne sydney and brisbane and then perth growing at eight percent what's up with perth they always that anytime a list like this comes out perth's like either at the top or the bottom Mm. like is that the mining thing happening over there is that big influence on it yeah yeah it's an independent market like whereas i think like people move more fluidly between sydney brisbane and melbourne perth is it's a bit you know a bit, bit different so it does does march to its own to its own beat a bit how's adelaide going they didn't say they didn't bother. <laughs> Can't believe it. We got shit going on here, man. We got we yeah, had gather yeah, round, yeah. we got live golf tournament. <laughs> if you want to get on it and watch sport, then Adelaide's the place to be. That's, yeah. that's all I'm saying. Surely it's in the list. Yeah. Westpac didn't touch it. ANZ saying Adelaide's expected to fall by one percent in twenty twenty four. What? Yeah, but they're they're much more. They're not as they're not as bullish as ANZ over as Westpac overall, though. So, mm. and Adelaide's been on a tear away. So, they, and Adelaide hasn't really had a contraction yet, a, a, a correction yet. So, right. I think they're expecting that just to happen in twenty three, twenty four. And I think by now we all know what to make of forecasts. So, I'm not I'm not too worried. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. But I guess the big question like, is it is it now a good time to buy a house then? If you if you can, obviously. If you can, um, seems I mean not, like it. Everything's yeah, going to go go gangbusters. Not financial advice, obviously, but sure. if like if the only thing driving your decision to buy was the cycle, and you are hoping to buy at a cheaper price, mm. you probably want to buy now. I think just because nobody's expecting prices to fall any further. Right. So, yeah. But again, we're <laughs> worth, <laughs> worth checking it on previous forecasts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> to see how they played out. True, yeah. There's yeah. room here for a like a, a contrarian view of like because there's always uniformity and consensus around these forecasts seemingly. Mm-hmm. So like, like I think just a small blog somewhere where you just look at the forecast of you know, minus 11% on average and you go, actually, I reckon it's going to be zero. Just mm. baseless, <laughs> <laughs> baseless zero. You could say I've got a model, things like that. Like mm. that's, um, you can say I've got a, a statistical AI model. Oh, AI. Yeah, now I like it. Yeah, that's, see? That's my interest. I've got, yeah. a, I've got an AI, it's crypto-backed AI. <laughs> <laughs> 
and I reckon zero. The model mm. is telling me zero. Um, mm. It's thousands of thousands of computations have arrived at that number. And if you're right, sometimes mm. like ad space, baby, on the blog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> did ChatGPT come up with this business model? <laughs> All right, let's take a break here, uh, grab a quick word from this week's sponsor. After the break, we're going to be back with our old mate Ray Dalio and his five mega trends, plus what can cinemas and ramen noodles tell us about a recession? Uh, all that and more on Comedian versus Economist right after this. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Welcome back. You're on Comedian versus Economist. You can, of course, send us an email if you like, cve at equitymates.com or via the website, equitymates.com forward slash cve. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at CVE Podcast. But Thomas, uh, our old mate Ray Dalio, billionaire investor, uh, he's mm. got some. He's got some mega trends for us. What are we mm, looking at here? Mm, mm. Yeah, so Ray Dalio, yeah, he's a hedge fund manager, legendary hedge fund manager uh, at Bridgewater Associates. Yeah, he's he's taken his hand to history in recent years. Decided he's gonna he's become a student of history right. and particularly like transition points in society. Um, and re- he reckons we're at, a, at one of these inflection points. Yeah, he reckons that the world is on the brink of a period of great disorder uh, and this will disrupt domestic and world orders in ways that we have never seen in our lifetimes but have happened many times before in history. Hmm. What he's saying. So, yeah, he, so he reckons there's five megatrends that are sort of that are crunching into the, into the current moment. Um, the first is the, is the big debt cycle. Um, saying we've you know created enormous amounts of debt. Oh, I thought you said the big bet cycle. I thought he was, uh, <laughs> thought he was going yeah. he was going long on a same game multi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My ears pricked up. I, I was yeah. interested. I was quite interested for a second. I'm like, oh, billionaire has has tips for tips. the <laughs> NBA playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it doesn't end well <laughs> when governments go in on a <laughs> same game multi. So particularly with money printing, massive debt financing, and that's coming to a head because we've got high interest rates. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he said these high interest rates mean these debt burdens are becoming unbearably high uh, and which in that in turn means the system is close to the point where big restructurings will be needed. 
Um, but these things never come easy because there's big political costs when you've got to cut spending and move into that sort of thing. Um, it also potentially means higher inflation for longer. Like Nuria Rubini, Dr. Doom, we've talked about before, he is also saying that he reckons that inflation bank, uh, central banks will wimp out before they kill inflation because it's just well, they won't, the governments won't be able to handle their debt burdens and they'll sort of push back on the central banks and go like, oh, can you just back off on the interest rates for a bit? Is Dalio a, is Dalio a bear as well? Is he like a, a bit a bit bearish like, uh, what's his name, Dr Doom, Rabini? Um, Dr Doom. Yeah, I think I mean, it can't so. be too bad. He's a billionaire investor. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, yeah. Like, can't always be like, well, this is going nowhere. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I mean, can be can be a bit bearish. Right. I mean, certainly, I'd say I'd say he's bearish now. And he did. Right. He did. I think he, he early in his career he predict, predicted the pop of the Japanese bubble back in the eighties. Oh yeah. And that's sort of where he made his name and made a bit of money. Right. So yeah. So yeah, bearish, bearish. Mm. Definitely on the bearish end of the spectrum. Right. And he's yeah. not necessarily saying like global collapse or global financial market collapse or anything like that. He's just kind of saying this is a a time of like upheaval and disruption. And yeah. But things- also, that's not going to be good for markets. That's what I'm right. saying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just trying to find a silver lining. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. So, so we've got debts. Got what debts. So got? The, the second one is conflicts within countries. Mm. Um, he's saying that, yeah, we're at, at like cri- these cr- turning points in history are always preceded by big upheavals within countries. And we're seeing that now. This, particularly the polarization in America, is a, gives a really stark example. Yeah, and saying that the 2024 elect, US election is going to be hotly contested and there's little sort of middle way left. There's no middle ground left anymore. People have polarised and there's, that's, that's creating problems. And, he's still, and particularly he's talking about the US debt ceiling. So that's, that story's come around again. The US is going to have to lift their debt ceiling. Um, and Dalio saying that's not going to go as smoothly as people expect and will become a big ish election issue that will split the country. So it's all about it's back to debt again though, isn't it? Like he's just mm. he's, he's split out his first point and just yeah. cast it in for two points. <laughs> <laughs> back to his same game multi. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the third, the third mega trend is conflicts between countries. Uh, so it's conflict within countries, it's conflict between countries, largely over debt. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Right. No, he's saying like, yeah, we're at a bit like, and this is definitely true. Like the geo, the geopolitical landscape has shifted pretty quickly in recent years. Mm. Yeah, China, like particularly the U.S. relationship with China. That's that's seen a big shift. Uh, it's interesting. Last week, U.S. Treasury Secretary uh, Janet Yellen, who you'll remember from our intro, let's <laughs> keep doing that. Yeah, yeah, Treasury Secretary. But she came out and said the U.S. is not going to compromise on national security concerns. Quote: Even when they force trade-offs with our economic interests. Oh, yeah. So, so we'll, we'll go broke fighting a war. Damn it. Yeah, yeah <laughs> if we yeah. have to. Yeah, I mean that's effectively. I mean, it's also like it's kind of an obvious statement. That you know we would we're not going to sacrifice security and safety for money. Yeah. But the fact you know it's kind of interesting that where were the world's at that people go ooh that's interesting that someone would say that in government. Yeah. Um, right. But yeah, so the interesting. But but the, but US has been 
like the, the, the political leaders and economic leaders have been sort of stealing their their language around this and saying like, yeah, we know that it's going, there's going to be costs involved in decoupling with China, but we're willing to face those costs. Mm. Number four is natural disasters, saying that they're often a catalyst for ending these what he calls long long term cycles. Mm. Um, and he's saying that climate change is is a classic one because that's going to just create chaos everywhere. Mm. Yeah, in ways that are impossible to predict, and also uh, speed up inflation, particularly with yeah, and the energy transition story. That's that's going to be inflationary because that's going to cost more money to do that. So you've got the, that's in play as well. That's number four. And then number five is technology. Technology is often at the end of a long-term cycle, big technological shift like an industrial revolution. Uh, he talks about AI and saying like could could be positive, but it's very early days in AI and we don't really know how that's going to play out. So it's in play, it's it's in the field. It could not quite clear where it's going. Yeah, so but that only leaves that that last one, that technology as one that has some uncertainty and you're saying, so you're saying at least four of the five megatrends are in play right. that you normally see at these turning points. So four of the five are there. You know, if in a thousand years we look back and, you know, it's going to look pretty obvious, like our, our turning point was totally due mm. where they were at. It's interesting that he calls out technology and in particular AI because mm. after reading the article that you shared with me about this, I just went to chat GPT and I said, tell me five megatrends that will end the big, the big cycle, as he called it. Mm-hmm. And do you know what ChatGPT came back with? What? Came back with, here's the five, uh, where it's, the big cycle refers to the long-term economic cycle that has been observed throughout history, characterised by periods of growth and decline. Here are five megatrends that could potentially disrupt or end the current big cycle. And ChatGPT went with artificial intelligence, obviously, mm. you know, self-important. Talking up its own book. <laughs> Climate change and sustainability, mm-hmm. demographic shift. So that's oh, something okay. Ray Dalio didn't call out was the population mm. is ageing. Mm. Uh, Digitalisation, uh, uh-huh. the increasing prevalence of digital technologies such as Internet of Things, blockchain and 5G, um, which Dalio I guess also called out um, but he just called it, he roped it in with AI. Mm. And then geopolitical instability. So mm. political instability. So very similar listing mm. to what Dalio came out with if mm. we just... Ask ChatGPT. Do you reckon Dalio is a bot? I think he could be. Yeah, yeah that, that's mm. my conclusion. Mm. Or he's just he's started outsourcing his paid <laughs> public speaking work. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Thomas, finally on the show, big, big, big news in the world of instant noodles. Mm. Uh, ramen sales through the roof. Mm. What's going on? Yeah, the whole instant noodle community has been talking about this one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, no, we got yeah. we got results from Nissan, uh, not to, the Japanese company, not to be confor- confused with Nissan. Ah, right. N i double s i n. They make they make cup noodles. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and their sales are booming. Actually, they, so they saw ramen uh, and cup noodles saw a huge surge in through COVID, as right. people stocked up their pantries and panic bought shelf stable foods. Um, but it's continued. They've been pumping along and they, they reported a 41% increase in global sales in the fourth quarter of 2022. Wow, 41%. Yeah. It's huge. Massive. Yeah, yeah, huge, huge. Did people just not know about them beforehand? Like, <laughs> like yeah. is, could, that, could that be possible that people were like, wow, this is delicious and cheap? <laughs> 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 Sharehouses across the world are just like... <laughs> 
<laughs> Did you know about ramen? Because yeah. I mean, because I mean, I must admit, I we stocked up on wheat bix. That was our go-to. Uh, like I okay. was like, if we're if this is the end of days, I'm surrounding myself with with wheat bix. Mm. I didn't think about ramen. Right, right. But it would have been smarter because you just need to heat water, whereas you really need milk <laughs> for wheat bix. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't. I don't know. I mean, I would have thought everyone knew about two minute noodles, but there does definitely seems to be a shift. I mean, I think mm. some of that growth isn't just in consumers are actually expanding their market. So they've been, they, they're very happy with their attempts to enter the US market. Right. Um, yeah, 32% year on year growth in US sales. Mm. Yeah. And they've expanded their capacity for distribution by 15% in the US. Traditionally a very Pop-Tart dominated market too, mm. the US. So interesting to yeah. see that transition play out towards a more noodle-based snack. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> trying to break through that legendary wall of baked goods. <laughs> That protects the US market. Uh, right. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently, the Americans like hot and spicy. Right. That's their go to. Yeah. And chili tomato. That's what they're saying. That- I've been a long believer that you can make any food slightly more interesting by the addition of chili. Uh, like, yeah. Yeah. I think for any, like, if you take a fairly bland, flavorless food, you just Wheat make pigs. it a bit hot. Yeah. We mix. <laughs> I put a bit of sriracha on my wheat bix. <laughs> no, like a bit of heat yeah. it makes anything yeah, yeah. a bit more interesting. So, mm. yeah, I always go, if there's an option for a spicy instant noodle, that's me every day of the week. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's interesting It's interesting because US retail sales are falling down 0.1% in, the mar- in March, the month of March. So, it seems to be, we talked about this trading down when we looked at Woolworths results a little while ago. Mm. I think this is a bit of this going on that people are like, oh, I need a budget option. Yep. going to get some two-minute noodles, hmm. yeah, which then ties in with theatre sales, which is um, US box office People are sales. buying movie theatres too. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. yeah. No, box office sales in the US uh, now back have, have completely erased their COVID losses. They're back to um, 2019 levels. So they're back to the same level. That's no surprise then. People yeah. didn't, sadly news that people didn't go to the movies during COVID. No, 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 no. But it's a, it's a strong... Yeah, it's a strong bounce back. Hmm. But theatres, box office sales are a recessionary indicator, Uh oddly oddly enough. So when every time the US economy shrinks, Hmm. US box office sales go up. Right. So it's a pretty consistent sale. Yeah, I thought you were just talking about more people going to the movies, um, which I guess it is, but... Mm. I thought that might happen during a recession because of how ridiculously easy it is to just go into a movie for free these days. Like... Have you been to the movies lately? No. Oh, n- n- it's all run by no. like computers and QR codes. Ah, and it's yeah, right. literally never been easier to just <laughs> sneak into a movie. You just get your phone, go online just before the movie starts. You can see literally what seats are still available. <laughs> <laughs> you just wander in and sit in one. Right. Get out your flask and start mixing up your mega jumbo instant ramen that you brought with you. <laughs> Not financial advice, obviously, and I don't condone sneaking in and not paying for the movie theatre. But I'm just saying, like, even as a legitimate ticket holder taking the kids to the movies over the school Mm -hmm. holidays, it Mm -hmm. was, like, painfully obvious at how easy you could just wander into the cinema Mm -hmm. uh, and take a seat and watch a film. Mm -hmm. But I guess if you're saying box office sales, that (laughs) that implies people are buying tickets. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean... Sales of really long trench coats you can fit two people in <laughs> are down. 
<laughs> so yeah, maybe that thesis plays and out. And I wonder too whether there's like like just groups of children going to the movies, you know, like because um, that's another, <laughs> I'm giving away all my secrets, but that's another tactic that friends of mine use is to just buy a kid's ticket to like the footy oh, or whatever because right, you just right. need a valid barcode to scan in for the seat. The seat doesn't check who's sitting in it, whether it's an adult or a child. Gotcha. Right. Um, <laughs> yes. So follow so CVE for more money-saving tips. <laughs> as we as we did navigate these inflationary seas, yeah. uh, stick with CVE. <laughs> <laughs> no, sorry, don't obviously don't don't break the law or do anything like that. But I'm just saying, some people out there, some unscrupulous mm. people, <laughs> that try to rot the system. So be on the lookout, <laughs> and if you see any of them, report them to CVE, including their tactics and strategies that they're implementing, and we'll we'll, we'll pass those on to the relevant authorities. Uh, all right, let's leave it there. Thank you so much for tuning in once again. Uh, we uh, love that you, you're listening. Uh, we love it also if you would go and leave us a review and a rating wherever you get this podcast. It does help us enormously. But for us this week, it is bye for now. You have been listening to an Equitymates Media production. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media acknowledges the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. This podcast is intended for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general advice only and has not taken into account your personal financial circumstances, needs or objectives. Before acting on general advice, you should consider if it is relevant to your needs and read the relevant product disclosure statement. And if you're unsure, please speak to a financial professional. The hosts of this podcast and their guests may have positions in the companies mentioned. Equitymates Media operates under an Australian Financial Services Licence 540697. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavour. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.